Hey, everybody. Welcome to a brand new episode of Techish, your favorite podcast. <laughs> here I am, Abadesi, with my amazing co host. And here I am, Michael Bahane. I like that intro. Here I am. We're going to rock with that next episode. <laughs> here I am. Yeah. Here you know I what? Let's, let's get it cracking because there's a story that we texted each other recently about. Okay, so that cool. Would, okay. Popular. Jump into yeah, it so, then. Yeah. So I think. Yeah, this is a quite a sad story, actually. So a couple of years ago, like, which VC firm came under our radar and they were doing things a bit differently. They were known as Indie VC. And I think the Indie essentially meant we're going to back companies that are profitable and we're not going to force them to kind of do a giant exit or push for an acquisition. They can pay us back via their profits. So it's a very unique model. Obviously, if you're in tech, you kind of know the VC model is exit. You know, Facebook buys you for a billion dollars or you go public for a billion dollars and VC spread their bets off across, you know, thousands of startups, hundreds of startups, most of which will fail. And then one or two successes will pay off. You as the entrepreneur, you know, you're betting that your company will work, but the VC is betting that one of a thousand will work, right? Yeah. Um, so they were doing their thing and, and a lot of people applied and also a lot of their scouts were predominantly, well, not, I don't know predominantly, but there was a lot of people of color that were their scouts, their VC scouts. And there was a lot of people of color that there was a, that was their, their investments. I know the Shade Room, Black-owned company was an investment of theirs. Oh, nice. Um, I know another dude, I've forgotten his name because we spoke like years ago, but he uh, had a medical startup. But um, they've shut down now recently. They've had to, after six years, I think, decided to call it a day. And primarily, it seems to be because they're LP. So the limited partners, these are the people that give money to the VCs, said, eh-eh. And I've got like a sample of the email basically saying, hi, Bryce, which is the, the founder of the VC firm. We're out. The shifting strategy for the fund over time for your good intentional reasons, i.e. basically profitable companies and not exit, basically, has moved further away from the kind of companies that we are looking to have exposure to. Now, what I texted you, Abba, was that I was saying like, is it, does this model work basically? Is it mm. this model doesn't work or is it, you know, bad luck this time and things fail? What do you think? It's crazy because we have to ask ourselves what we're optimizing for. And if we're optimizing for creating good businesses, and when I say good, I mean sustainable, creating value in society, it worked. From that perspective, it worked. You know, in Bryce's blog post, he says, six years ago, they invested in eight companies. Mm -hmm. Each of those eight companies still in business, many of them generating seven, eight figures in revenue. There are so many venture-backed companies that are dead now. (laughs) They ain't still in operations and they certainly aren't making seven, eight figures in revenue. So I guess it is actually exposing what the VC game is optimizing for. And is the VC game optimizing for creating good, sustainable businesses? No, it's optimizing for exactly like you said, that winner takes all unicorn, even at the risk of a few duds, a few tried and fails. A lot of duds. (laughs) Which is kind of crazy because, you know, We've talked about the Zebras United movement before and this need to just challenge this version of capitalism as it exists. You know, this version of capitalism, yeah, okay, cool, it's it's all right, but it's got some issues, it's got some flaws. And we're going to maybe, you know, return to this over and over again, but there's too many losers considering how many winners there are. Yeah. And I, I really liked NDVC. I just like this mission. I like this idea of like, hey, do you know what? Instead of trying to go winner takes all, all in or nothing, you know, win or die, why don't we actually say, hey, let's share this pie? So I personally feel like it's a loss for the better version of capitalism I want us to move forward into. I agree. Yeah, it's definitely a loss. I know Collab Capital, which is a Black-owned VC fund, I think Jewel Burke is one of the kind of linchpins behind that. They are trying to do a similar model based on profits, I think, from what I read. So there are other people pushing forward this, uh, this okay. kind of narrative. So hopefully it works out. But I do think that a lot of times we're blaming VCs for things that are actually 
to do with just like general capitalism, which is that LPs, the limited partners, the pension funds, you know, the the university endowments, they want to, like that email said, get exposure to a certain type of company. Um, Mm. If they wanted stable companies, they would invest in a stock market, right? They would just be like, well, Amazon is proven. Facebook is proven. They'll grow, you know, at least 20% a year. We can put our money into there. But we want the next Amazon on Facebook, right? We want to have the Uber from 10 years ago or the Airbnb from 10 years ago. So I don't know how to square that circle. I think you have to have a very specific form of limited partner who understands, you know, what they're getting into. And maybe I think Indie VC might have pivoted and that might have been their downfall. And I think there's just, we can't separate from the economy right now. There's a lot of capital slushing through the system. There's asset prices are inflated. Mm. It's a a gluttonous time for people with capital. It's bad for people like who've got jobs and, you know, feeling the the pressure of the pandemic. But in terms of like people with capital, it's a great time. You know, Bitcoin's through the roof. Everything's through the roof, right? Now, in a greedy time, yeah. Everybody wants the next big thing. Nobody's sitting here thinking, oh, you know, I want to invest in that kind of company that's making, you know, three, five million a year. They're thinking, mm-hmm. I want the next Facebook. Do you know what I'm saying? I want that thousand X, right? So that's also a factor. Maybe in a downturn, in the, when the economy has a downturn, this model might make more sense. Um, I think but- the only thing that frustrates me is the fact that institutional investors are investing our money right? Everyone who's listening probably has like some version of a pension. And I think that as individuals, we need to hold those holders of our pensions and et cetera, more accountable to the decisions that they make. Because if we, you know, if we're sad that NDVC is dying and we're sad that not uh, enough companies just trying to build a sustainable future, not just a, you know, monopolized future are not being created, then surely we can have this conversation with institutional investors because we kind of put them like they're a standalone thing. But at the end of the day, it's our money. It's my money. (laughs) Yeah, but the thing is, most people just want the biggest return for their pension. They want to know that when they're 65, the Mm. biggest pot of money is in there, right? You're not thinking about how do I revolutionize capitalism you're thinking how do I make sure that when it's my time to chill I can chill you know what I'm saying so those pe- I'm not saying that the pension fund people are doing the ultimate thing for cap for their return on for their return I don't know maybe you know they just got a blind spot and maybe the, the indie VC thing is is feasible right I don't know and how, how does that compare with general VC returns I think most VC funds return nothing so it's a very complicated issue the other thing that I thought was interesting is that how many like disproportionately there were so many like black and people of color that were interested in this model. Why do you think that this model appeals more to black and brown people than the traditional VC model? Beyond the idea of like, we can't get in. Like, what is it about the idea of like, because no, no, the thing is, you know, the odds of getting into this is also small as well, right? Like there was loads of applicants for this. So beyond the idea of we can't get in, what is it about profitable businesses that probably appeals more to kind of our kind of folks versus the VC model. I find that in my work with Hustle Crew focused on diversity and inclusion, people most affected by the problem are the people most invested in creating change. And I do think a big part of why NDVC started in the first place was to address the failures of capitalism. Like, yes, capitalism is working in some ways, but we still have this increasing gap between the richest and the poorest. And it's often people from marginalized identities that are disproportionately represented in those mar- in those communities, right? So, you know, we've spoken on previous episodes of the podcast about generational wealth and how, you know, in the average African-American household is negative, right? Versus whatever tens of thousands in the average white American household. So I think the reason black, brown, other marginalized people were so invested in this mission and attracted by it was because they were just like, that's the type of future I want to be a part of. I don't want to be in this winner takes all monopoly, you know, ride or Mm. die, risk it all. And, you know, there's also the real life material risk of going down the venture route. Like when you're literally accepting, I could succeed, but I could also fail. 
it's not just you that's in that equation. It's all the people depending on you and relying yeah. on you. So it's almost like, well, if I'm going to go down this route, how can I do it in a way where I still end up with something mm. and hopefully something of value? What do you think? I agree. I think it's doing a venture-backed startup is a privilege in the sense that most people that do venture-backed startups at least know if this doesn't work, I can move in with mom and dad and mom and dad can help help me and support me, right? Like there's some mm-hmm. kind of family wealth that is kind of underpinning their endeavors. Whereas, you know, that isn't necessarily always there, like for, you know, for marginalized people. So it's more of a thing of like, how do I do something with the maximum chance this works? And the maximum chance this works is probably something where it's more stable. You're not growing as quick. You're basing it on profit and you build it step by step. Whereas this whole shoot for the moon, one in a thousand shit, you got to kind of have level one done on the Maslow hierarchy of needs. Exactly. It, you know what I'm saying? So like, if we don't have that, what makes you think that we want to roll the dice in, in you know, in blackjack? We're not going to do that. We want to be like, oh, how can I optimise? <laughs> For them, like, you know what I'm saying, for success and most likely doing a sip, like a, I don't say simple, a stable business or something that grows at a normal rate is my best tick, my best chance of victory, right? So, totally. Yeah, it's a shame anyway, man. I think, you know, you mentioned to me that, um, you know, a few other individuals, you know, I won't mention it, but like a few other kind of accelerators kind of from our kind of world that kind of target our kind of folks, you know, have come up against this kind of like thing where LPs are like, nah, I'm not sure. And let's keep an eye on this, man. I hope Collab Capital works. I hope a few other kind of, I know there's lots of people now doing diversity investment. I hope that kind of, you know, bucks the trend and and can show the LPs that, listen, man, shit can work. One of the things I also think is kind of frustrating is like how many underrepresented people are on the other side of that conversation? You know what I'm saying? Mm, Like when you go to pitch to those LPs and you're like, hey, listen, like there's a real opportunity here because it feels so short-sighted to me, right? You can either have like one out of hundreds of companies be hundreds of millions of revenue every year, but potentially Mm -hmm. not. Or you could have dozens of companies, eight figure revenue, Mm -hmm. tens of millions of revenue every year. It's the same thing. If anything, there's like a lower risk option going down that route. So sometimes I do, you know, the cynic in me kind of goes, you know, is it the principle or is it the fact that they've just had to look at like, I don't know, another Afro Herco brand, another like, you know, you know, underserved market brand and they're just a bit like mm, mm, mm. is that going to be big i don't know do you see what well, i'm I, saying i don't think indie vc had that problem i think they were happy to, to go for those markets oh I just yeah think, no totally yeah. but i'm just saying like when other let's say funds just trying to do something different to what other funds yeah. are doing face this you know pushback from lps like what's the role that bias is playing in that yeah also it's just like if you're a, a manager of a pension fund when you're having conversations around a dinner table with your wealthy friends, it's a lot easier to be like, yeah, we're targeting, you know, the fintech space and it's going to be a bajillion dollar company versus, you know, we're going for like this person who's trying to revolutionize the cleaning business and they're going to have five or 10 cleaners. Like it's just, it's a different conversation and it has a different level of cachet and it has a different level of sexiness. Um, and that's also a factor, but yeah, watch your space, man. If you're working on something like this, keep fighting a good fight. We've got, I think it's, you know, I gotta give a shout out to NDVC and Bryce. I think they they made a good effort, and yes. hopefully the change continues after. There's you know, still the a effort. legacy there, even though the chapter yeah. has ended for sure. Hundred percent. So now here's a question I got: Is Abadesi now a billionaire? You may be wondering <laughs> why I'm asking because the company that Abadesi joined, Brandwatch. <laughs> has now had a rather successful exit. Uh, reportedly, a big number, I won't mention it. So, Abba, are you now a bajillionaire? Talk to me. <laughs> yeah, in fact, Mike, I've got, I've got to leave you now. I'm on to better okay. things. I don't, I don't need this anymore. I'm retiring. No, I'm yeah, I tried to phone your number and it went straight to voicemail. What's going on? You, 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 you switch off on me, yeah? What's happening? I'm out. I'm out. I'm moving yeah, to my bunker. <laughs> I'm joining Talk all the like. other billionaires in New Zealand uh, in my <laughs> bunker. Uh, and then, yeah, Elon's taking me to the moon next week, actually. Yeah, it's going to be great. Okay. No. <laughs> 
Uh, all jokes aside, yeah, it's awesome. Brandwatch got acquired by Cision. The the number is actually out in the press, so we can say it. 450 millis, okay. million dollars, uh, which is really exciting. It's funny, isn't it? Because, you know, a lot of these big decisions, you know, the deal is still ongoing, hopefully closing in the next eight weeks, happen, you know, behind the scenes. So I I wasn't privy to any of this news. I kind of just like rocked up on Friday and joined a meeting with other leaders and, you know, had the news broken to me. But it's so exciting because I just think we talk about equity a lot on this show. And we talk a lot about how, you know, a lot of the times it's kind of just used as like a carrot in a yeah. negotiation, but it never actually materializes. Yep, yep. Um, I remember having to stay a whole extra year at Groupon when I really didn't probably want to be there anymore. If I'm honest, I was kind of over it and burnt out, but I had to wait for my um, vesting period to happen. Not so, bad. you know, basically like, cause at the time I didn't actually own stocks. I just had the option to buy stocks. So I had to wait for the time to pass where they actually turned into actual oh, stocks and then I could sell them. And over that time, the share price became 25% of what I thought it was going to be. Oh, so <laughs> I was there going, I'm a pay off my student loans, la, 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 la. And then I got there. I was like, okay, well, I can make a few payments of it. But anyway, it's so cool because now I just feel like I've won the lottery because I literally joined Brandwatch six months ago. And now we've had a liquidation event. It's like, what? Exit, baby. And now you're a billionaire. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a billionaire, maybe a Naira or some <laughs> other uh, African currency. But it's so exciting. Now is more just kind of like what happens next, you know, because, mm. you know, I'll take my brand watch hat off for a second and put my, you know, black and Asian women in tech hat on. Mm -hmm. I joined brand watch because I was already familiar with the team, the culture, you know, they'd work with Hustle Crew and they were so committed to being anti-racist in every level and fighting the good fight for belonging. Now we're going from this 500 person company at Brandwatch into a 5,000 person company of Cision. And yeah, you know, of course I'm a bit anxious about whether that commitment is going to remain because we all know, you know, of course we've had reassurances from the leadership team and the CEO, but you know, it's not my first rodeo. The proof yeah. of the pudding is in the eating. So we got to wait and see. But it's exciting news. And, you know, I'm really proud of the whole leadership team. Like Giles, our CEO, you know, true hustle, energy, like 20 years building a company. Um, is it a 20-year company? Close to that. Yeah, wow. man. It's been around a long time. I mean, a it started as Runtime Collective. Actually, he actually published a blog post on brandwatch.com. And I really recommend reading it because I think, you know, we often only really hear about the exits out of the valley or maybe out of London. But Brandwatch has kept its home in Brighton all of this time. And it's got a really unique energy and a really unique approach in everything that it's done. And it hasn't followed you know the exact playbook mm. the exact route but it still had a really successful exit so you know this is like a real success story for doing things your way even when it's not the way that everyone's doing it yeah shout out to that man 20 years is no joke and i there's me thinking i'm long in the tooth doing five years 20 years man that's amazing <laughs> i can't imagine what that decision must be like to sell your baby after 20 years that's that's right so, like yeah, half your life basically yeah that's mostly about adult, that's probably the majority of your adult life mm -hmm. um you know if he's in his 40s and 50s Hey everyone, we're proud to announce once again that our favorite product, Notion, sponsors this week's Techish. You hear us talk about the future of work all the time on this podcast, and we don't go a minute into that conversation without mentioning Notion. And let's give you the Techish breakdown. Notion is the one app you and your team can use for notes, docs, wikis, projects, and generally staying on the same page in these weird, weird times. We even use it ourselves here at Techish, so much in fact that people thought we were sponsored by them. 
back in the day. The real secret sauce is that you can use Notion for pretty much all of your core work functions and customize it to fit exactly the way your team works. So you'll get all the more done the way you want. We even use it to write and share our own show notes, organize live events, and run our partnership and sales. Honestly, we use it for about 20 different things, at least. Imagine replacing 20 different tools that you use every day and probably pay for every month. So say goodbye to Google Docs and all those random tools folks are using and build the workflows you want in Notion together. You have to see how zen this app is. It proves that work can be beautiful. Just click the link in the show notes to sign up today. You'll see what work's gonna look like in the future only you'll have it now. Learn more at Notion.so. So the other story I want to talk about is why is everybody so proud to be cheap? I just don't understand. So basically, <laughs> Twitter announced, yeah, that, you know, they're going to potentially do a super follower option. And what that means is you would, similar to Patreon, and we've got a Patreon, extra-ish, got plugged quickly, <laughs> but you can subscribe to a Instead of just following somebody and watching their tweets, you can pay to basically see extra stuff. So extra content, you know, similar to Patreon, similar to Substack, whatever, right? Extra, we get, we all understand what it is in principle. But all of a sudden, trending. I'm not paying. I'm not doing that. I'm not paying. It. I'm like, bro, if you're that cheap, just keep it to yourself. Obviously, it's not by force. You're not, it's not going to make the whole Twitter thing a paid experience. It's obviously an optional thing. Like, so I, I, don't, I don't get it, man. But obviously, I am, I'm happy to see this feature. And it's not because I'm, you know, got any plans to do this with Pocket or even for us to do this with Techish, but it's just like, I want to see social platforms diversify away from just the advertisement model because I feel like that is such a corrosive thing yeah. for society because it just it makes people just want to maximize engagement. Mm-hmm. Society be damned. People's mental health be damned, <laughs> everything be damned, democracy be damned. You know what I'm saying? So at least if there's a, a different revenue stream, which is based around I like this, I will pay for this, which is mm. what we do in most of our day-to-day lives, it could potentially work. And I think they're also working on a community feature. So I think Twitter's they've got a roadmap. They seem to have woken up because for like 10 years they had nothing new in terms of the what? product. Yeah, honestly, like it, maybe it's that Nigerian guy they hired. Yeah, uh, come because on. suddenly <laughs> It's like suddenly shit's happening over there. But yeah. Why people are so cheap until they become makers and creators themselves. Yeah, you know what? Realize- I um I agree. No, sorry, carry on. No, all I was, all I was gonna say is that people are cheap until they're on the other side of the table and then they're wondering why no one wants to pay for their products. <laughs> <laughs> Support that business, but weren't you the one just saying like, you know what I mean? Like you weren't paying for shit. Oh man. Yeah, you know what? I think it's it's there is a different definitely a difference in mindset between people that actually have tried to put something out into the world versus people that haven't. And I'm yeah. not saying that anyone's better. No one is better in that situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like having a nine to five is great, whatever, man. But there's just a different tone that you have with people that are trying. Like you're less likely to be like, I'm a sharp. Oh, what is it now? I'm not doing this. I'm not supporting this. Like, yeah. And it's a different tone. So, um, and people are lacking in imagination, right? Because it's at least a year, two years ago, where we talked about people using Instagram close friends as a way to create a monetized part of their community. So there were people like, I don't know, Caroline Calloway and like stuff like that. You know, I would probably call them like inspo kind of people. And they would basically set up a Patreon link or a PayPal link and say, pay $9.99, $5.99, whatever it is. And I'll add you to close friends. And every day, close friends gets exclusive content. So this new feature from Twitter for me is just like an a replica of that, right? Because people are going to be coming onto Twitter anyway, opening their app, checking people's 
I don't know, Twitter stories, whatever they're called, Twitter spaces. Now, there are certain people in, in this world that I follow on Twitter. I would happily pay for 99 a month. People like Simon Sinek, Brene Brown, the people whose work I end up quoting in my work to help me get my job done. I would happily pay for that because I would know that every day they're going to teach me something inspiring that I can then parrot at work and <laughs> add value to my team and support people for. So I think, you know, people are being a bit unimaginative here. One, this is already happening. It's happening in other platforms. And two, the real value of this is going to be people that are leveraging that insight day to day in their role. But the thing is, you're a billionaire now. So like, as a super rich person, <laughs> oh my you God. are not, you know, you're not an objective ask. No, I'm joking. You're right. No, I, I think- I, I'm just a content creator that's happy to pay for content. I got mad subscriptions, man. Medium, you name <laughs> it, I'm there. Yeah, you know what? I think you're right. And I think... Um, what you mentioned last week when we were talking about Clubhouse and how Twitter had their Twitter spaces mm. and how it was like, if you've got a platform, what are the behaviors that people are using your platform to take off your platform? So people would be like, yo, we're on Clubhouse, yeah. like come join <laughs> us. Or like, yo, we've got a Patreon, like come, like come, here's a link, right? Where it's like, if you're Twitter, you know, or, or Instagram, like if you just build it, and, and embed it into your product like people wouldn't have to leave and i don't say this like yeah. this is what i want to see because i think you know diversity of of options and products are great but it, it was like it's like money just like on the table like why are you like so slow to do this like you could you know people don't want to have to go off app and go somewhere else to do a patreon or to do a clubhouse so i hope it works and i think twitter stock has risen because it's, listen man we want to see some activity like the product's been stagnant for so long so um, long in the last like, six months time. now they've done fleets they've got spaces coming up the clubhouse oh, clone, fleets. And- that's what it was called i forgot that yeah. i was calling it twitter stories <laughs> Yeah, I mean, listen, it is Twitter stories. I don't think it's on that world. I don't see anybody using it. But yeah, like um, at least it's some activity of like some innovation. They're trying hey, something. it's doing better than WhatsApp stories, okay? Oh, <laughs> it's day. doing better than WhatsApp stories. But uncles and aunties on WhatsApp stories, they're killing me. They're killing me, bro. What are you not doing? Yeah, so just like a quick idea segment. Like I was on Twitter and I saw that Seth Rogen, um, the actor and comedian, he basically was doing a weed company. And I think, listen, oh. I think he's... He's been big into weed. Like, if you watch any of the movies, they're, they're high in every movie, basically. Like, <laughs> yeah, Pineapple Express. What? Yeah, exactly. There we go. Like, so obviously now with legalization in many states, or at least decriminalization, he's starting his own weed brand. Like, and I was just quote tweeted it, the announcement. And I was like, listen, I like Seth Rogen. You know, I fuck with his movies. I think he's a funny dude. But I just feel like all this influx of like legal weed companies, mm-hmm. while there are people still languishing in jail for the yeah. exact same product, I just feel like there has to be some kind of pledge, whether that's, you know, whatever percentage they want to choose, but there's got to be a pledge where you donate a certain percentage to either criminal justice reform or to the individuals in question who are languishing in jail to help set them up once they come out. And if you're a cannabis user, then at least you can be like, okay, let me support a company that at least is trying because watching people get filthy rich or get really rich on a product when there are so many people that are in jail for that same product, it just doesn't make any sense to me. And I, I just don't see how that kind of injustice can continue. Like, and I think there are people that are trying to like make write laws to, to to rectify the situation yeah but in the meantime like private individuals and private companies that like, you gotta do better like do you know what i'm saying and i think people would support 100%. companies that like you know that back that pledge like do you know what i'm saying it can be voluntarily like it can be voluntary but like you know there's gotta be something so it's just an idea i hope somebody goes out there and makes it because i'm not even in the states so i can't even i won't even people, get it make it happen no but i remember when like TechCrunch published that article and it was like all white team in front of their like factory and they're like oh just close funding for this cannabis company and someone like screenshotted that and put on twitter i was like yeah my cousin's doing time for being caught with one joint and it went viral and you know i'm not gonna lie like the whole cannabis conversation makes me so uncomfortable as a black woman because there are so many narratives around cannabis 
all the ones tied to people of color that are so negative and so harmful. And then now that it's being decriminalized, you know, famous white celebrities are entering this space. They've been able to create a new narrative around cannabis that's completely distinct from all the other ones that existed. And now there's like conflicting narratives around cannabis use where it's like on the one hand, oh my God, aspirational, fitspo, mm-hmm. great, whatever. But then if the same product in the hands of a black person, it's just like, oh, that's gangster. Oh, that's like, mm. oh, you know, oh, whatever negative things that people can say. So, yeah, it makes me feel really, really uncomfortable. One yeah. thing that I will Gone. say is um, I recently discovered this podcast called Broccoli Talk. Okay, yeah. Which is for people who like cannabis. And it's just really, really interesting and amazing and funny because they they have a lot of these conversations about, you know, cannabis across different identity groups and, and society. And it's been really, really enlightening to have the same point that you're making explored further by people working in the industry and, and people who just love the product. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. Hey everyone, we are proud to announce that collaboration company Notion is the sponsor of this week's Techish. Imagine the most zen tool possible for taking notes, managing docs and projects and storing all of your team's info. I promise you it's real. Notion brings together all those functions in one place where your team can customize how you work together so you get more done and actually enjoy it at the same time. It's possible everyone. (laughs) The future's here. Hundreds of thousands of teams have already seen the difference this tool makes to productivity, transparency, and engagement. People love it. But you know what else? If I wasn't silly enough to be a founder, I'd love to work on a product at the intersection of beautiful design and utility, and that's Notion to a T. And lucky for you, they're hiring a ton across engineering, product, design, marketing, customer experience, and more. You can help build the future of work for millions of people around the world. Go to www.notion.so forward slash careers and get applying. Link is in the show notes. All right, everybody, that brings us to the end of another episode of Techish. As usual, we love to hear from you. So follow us on Twitter or Instagram at TechishPod and let us know what you thought of this episode. Don't forget that we always love to read your reviews. So if you're on an iPhone, head to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review right now. Thank you. Cheers.